The peace of Christ be with you. Welcome to worship on this Pentecost Sunday. Thus, some of the red you see sprinkled around in the decor, in the gorgeous uh, flowers on the chancel shelf. Also, you'll notice the flames of these candles. One candle representing each new member that has recently joined the congregation. We'll be celebrating them today. It's a full day. Let's begin it by centering ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit by just quieting down and taking a couple of deep breaths. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. On Pentecost, they gathered in prayer and were gifted the Spirit. We gather in prayer to receive the same Holy Spirit. They gathered for togetherness and a direction. We gather as one seeking guidance and inspiration. They understood one another, though each spoke in their own tongue. We delight in the diversity and commitment of each other. Hymn number 289. 
You may be seated. Welcome, welcome to worship here at Westminster. Welcome to celebrating Pentecost together. It is good to be together and worship with you today. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. It's good to have you here. I do want to highlight, as I often do, oh no, we don't have it. Never mind. I was going to highlight our QR code, but we ran out of room today. So it, during the offering, if those of you sitting here in the middle would uh, take that pew pad, sign it, pass it down the aisle, pass it back, that'll uh, allow you to see who's sitting near you and maybe greet each other by name after worship. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving and challenging God, loving and inviting God, we embrace the freedom we find in Christ. Recognize that our culture's view of freedom can be narrow, considering only the ways in which one can be free from restriction. In Christ, we see that we are free, that we might choose to love and serve, Christ, we find joy in using our freedom to help build up. In Christ, we find hope in the power of the gift freely given. We repent for when we have chosen narrowness and accept Christ's invitation to open our eyes. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news that God's Spirit has been poured out on us. We have been given new life. We are no longer scattered or divided, but gathered together to dream, to create the kingdom of God here on earth. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now as we move into our time of joys and concerns, this is the time when you are invited to share the prayers that are on your hearts and minds today. So, if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. And I already see a hand. Yes, Andrew. Amen. Yes. Prayers for the rain. What a joy. If you're wondering, what does that mean for our church picnic? Um, we're going to have it in Finley Hall. So stay after worship. Join us in Finley Hall, and we're going to picnic together there. So another joy that we, our Congregational Life team is pivoting, but still going to provide an amazing feast for us. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, Barb. So um, Ellen Wiegand, who is a child of this church, grew up here and is back to worship with us today. It really is good to have you here with us. Yeah. 
Others? Yeah, Carol. Absolutely. So prayers for Carol's friend Mary, who's just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Prayers for her and then also her husband as well. Scotty? Scotty reminds us that tomorrow, June 6th, the anniversary of the Normandy landing, um, also remembering that the AK-46, is that what you said, is the 146-47, I get put on the spot, my mind goes blank, that gun is a weapon of war, is what Scotty said, and I think, Rob, you're standing, you were going to oh, yeah, pray just, for this weekend, right? Yeah, just a joy for, well, uh, we should mention the the march um, that happened yesterday, and we know some will march next Saturday to hopefully make this a safer world, especially for our children. So thanks those of you who participated in that. I also wanted to share a joy just from the pilgrimage last week up in, in Lake Tahoe. Um, a number of us went there and had a wonderful time connecting to uh, that natural, the part of the natural world that has restored us and try to understand its beauty and its challenges right now, also connecting more deeply to our faith and to one another as fellow church members, I think it's safe to say we had something for virtually every level of mobility. So as we look to offer this again next year, hopefully maybe after school, so those of you who have school children can come up and have activities for the children as well that you might join us. But it was really a, a wonderful time of fellowship and faith. Amen. I'd like to offer a prayer for my father-in-law, Cammie's father, um, she just got a call as she was getting ready for worship today that he's hospitalized with COVID. Um, pretty low oxygen levels, it sounds like. So uh, his name's Ron. Just prayers for his healing and his wife, Laura, as she supports him. Yeah, Deb. Amen. Offering gratitude for Sharon Barr, who uh, has moved away, was a longtime member of Westminster, and just a small comment she made that was very important and meaningful to you. Yeah. Valerie. Pray for. So two prayers, one for Mrs. Coleman, a beloved teacher in Marin who is currently now in hospice care, and another prayer for all of our local seniors, many of whom are having graduation this week. Yeah. Right, let's take just a few moments of quiet as we hold all of these prayers in our hearts, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us be in prayer together.
Gracious God, you do hear our prayers and hear us now as together we share the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our I'd like to invite the children forward. It's one of my favorite days. I get to wear my Holy Spirit headband. I look like Wonder Woman, bonus. Wasn't even trying for Wonder Woman. It's my Holy Spirit headband. And I have my Holy Spirit streamers as well. And this is why, we've already mentioned it a couple of times in worship, but today is the day of Pentecost. And 
Pentecost is the birthday of the church, not the birthday of Westminster Presbyterian Church, but the birthday of the Christian church. And you're going to hear the story in Sunday school, so I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to give you a few highlights. So what happened is the Holy Spirit came to the people in a rush of a wind, which is why I have my streamers, a rush of a wind, and then why I have my headband with the flame, it's said that tongues of fire danced above the heads of everyone. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's a, it, some of you may know this story. We, we hear it about this time every year, but I tell you what, it makes me wonder a lot of things when I think about flames dancing and people talking in different languages and wind blowing. Whew. I certainly wonder about that story because it is pretty spectacular. So once you go to Sunday school and you hear the whole story told, I bet you're going to have quite a few things to wonder about as well. And I hope that you will do some wondering together about this amazing Pentecost story. Christian, do you have a question? That's a good question. He said, isn't it a fire hazard? You would think flames dancing above everyone's head. I wonder about that. How did flames dance and nothing caught on fire? Pretty amazing. So I'm going to invite you to Sunday school, and you can hear the story and wonder all about it. And Ms. Sharon there is coming on down the aisle, and she is going to lead the way. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. Listen for what the Spirit is saying. When they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, asking, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toil or tribute? From their children or from others? When Peter said from others, Jesus said to him, then the children are free. However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the lake and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a coin take that and give it to them for you and me. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. At this service alone, in addition to it being Pentecost, we will celebrate the sacrament of baptism. We'll receive new members into the life of this church who just recently joined and we'll celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. That's a joy. It also leaves very little room for a sermon. As I said, a joy. Right? And frankly, this preacher is a little relieved. 
on a day in which he's charged with preaching about a story in which Jesus advocates for paying taxes and then tells people to go fishing and you're going to find money in the fish's mouth, it's nice not to have a lot of room to work with. What on earth do you say about a passage such as this? Actually, there is quite a bit in that text that speaks to us even today, even in our modern and complicated world. We'll just scratch the surface, but one of the themes that it wrestles with is the relationship between freedom, the freedom we experience in Christ, and obligation or responsibility to others in the wider world. Now, how do we get to that, you might ask? The story seems, as, as bizarre as it might be, straightforward, at least as it starts. The collectors of the temple tax come to some of Jesus' followers. The temple tax was something that all Jews, except the priests, were required to pay for the upkeep of the temple. Right? Makes sense. And they, they ask if your teacher, Jesus, pays this. And Simon Peter says, yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, asking, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tribute? From their children or from others? So if a king's charging a tax, do they charge their own children? Of course not. They only charge other people. Right? Seems straightforward enough. Jesus pays the tax, said, of course, you pay the tax. Case closed, right? Fairly straightforward. And five chapters later, Jesus even seems to go along with the notion of paying taxes to Caesar. End of story, right? But then there's this complicating exchange between Simon Peter and Jesus. Peter says to Jesus, well, of course, they don't take taxes from uh, the king's children. They only take it from others. And Jesus says, well, then the children are free, right? If you're a child of the king, you're free from the obligation to pay the tax. Also, makes sense. But then Jesus says, however, so that we do not give offense to them, we're going to pay the tax. And I'll get into how a little bit later. Wait a minute. So we don't give offense. That makes it sound like Jesus thinks they're free from the obligation to pay the temple tax that they're choosing to do it out of their own free will. But I thought everybody was obligated to, unless you were a priest or unless you were, in the analogy, a child of the king. So Jesus is saying, we'll pay it, but essentially not because we have to. What is going on? Now this is getting really confusing. So what is going on there? It's interesting that we tackle this text on Pentecost a day we usually read a story about people coming together in tongues of flame like Bethany pointed to. We've been following an alternative lectionary this year, and it kind of opens this notion, this uh, occasion, in a new way. Because in that exchange, we get a window into how we understand what freedom means in Jesus Christ. And the freedom we experience in Jesus Christ is not like the freedom that we so often lift up in the wider culture, which seems to be reduced in so many instances to I get to do whatever I want with little or no concern for how it impacts you. In the 
context of the story, the freedom not to pay the temple tax. As Jesus seems to be saying, we are the children of the king, Jesus is pointing to a different king in a different kingdom. So they are free from the obligation to support the temple, but they choose to it to support it because freedom in Christ is not just freedom from obligation, it's freedom for obligation, freedom for responsibility, freedom for living for others as well as oneself. Think of that stark contrast to what is so often practiced in culture. How many examples can you think of where people claimed freedom, but what they were really claiming is the right to do whatever they want without worrying about what the implications were for others? That may be an understanding of civic freedom. I don't think so, but maybe it is. But that is not the freedom we see in Jesus Christ. Calvin, yes, I'm quoting Calvin in here. Who would have thought? Holds this tension together beautifully when he talks about the duties of love. Do you see how those belong together? We often forget one half or the other, but they need each other. Duty, obligation, responsibility for one another, as well as love. Right? Each needs the other. Pentecost is a moment when you could say we were granted a special freedom, special powers, a capacity to access this Holy Spirit, which would enable us to do all kinds of things. And the early Christian movement saw itself as being free from the law, at least from the law as it had been understood before. But as we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we think is given to us as well, we should remember what Jesus Christ did with his freedom in his life. Did he just shirk off all responsibility and do what he wanted? No, look what he did with his freedom as one we called son of God. He used his freedom to heal those who were broken. He used his freedom to serve those who were in need. He used his freedom to accompany those who'd been downtrodden, sometimes at the hands of those who had a lot of power. And he used his freedom to challenge those who had a lot of power, who had a lot of freedom, and used it to take advantage of others. And on Pentecost, we receive that freely given gift, and we commit ourselves to using our freedom the same way in the same manner. Jesus elects to pay the temple tax, perhaps because he supports the temple and thinks it's not a lost cause and it has a place. Or maybe just because he's got bigger fish to fry. He's got a different kingdom to introduce to the world and doesn't need to get distracted by the wrong fights. Have you ever been distracted by engaging in the wrong battles? We do that all the time. But he keeps focused on what his real mission is. And so he pays the tax. Well, speaking of bigger fish to fry and fish, what do we do with that strange encounter when he says, okay, we're going to pay the tax, but this is how you're going to get it. You're going to go fishing, and the first fish you have, uh, you catch, it'll have money in its mouth. 
we're talking about doing a fly fishing trip with the church next week, or next year. There were so many fly f- fishers in the church, fisher people. And what a better way to connect to, to God than to get out there and cast and do all those things that I can't do. <laughs> Maybe we should use that as our marketing campaign. You know, you're going to find money in the fish you catch. What a weird moment. Is it just another miracle? Well, here's a hint. In the New Testament, in the Bible, there are never just miracles. The miracles always have levels and layers of meaning. So what's going on there? Jesus says, okay, I'll go along with this earthly system and the earthly authorities and the practices that are in place. I'll I'll, I'll go along with that. I'll assent to that. But how does he fulfill his earthly obligation? With a heavenly power. He performs a miracle to come up with the money, which probably means he doesn't have any. He doesn't buy into that system. So he allows God to produce it for him, which fulfills the obligation and reminds everybody of the true source of his authority, the true source and setting of his values, his priorities and commitments. He shows everybody the source of his power and the power of his source. That's where his loyalty lies, as Nicholas said last week. So even as he fulfills his earthly obligations, he keeps his sights on a heavenly vision. That's what it means to try to be a person of faith in this world. That's what it looks like. So when we do the work of the church as individuals or as a body of people who have faith, of people who are seeking faith, of people who've lost their faith, that's what we're trying to do. So today when we baptize, we offer freedom for someone. Freedom from the old world, from the old way. But it's not just freedom from, it's freedom for Freedom for a new life in this world. Freedom for eternal life and eternal presence in this life. Freedom for a holy kind of community. When we take new members into the life of this congregation, hopefully we're offering them some degree of freedom. Freedom from navigating this really difficult journey alone spiritually. Or maybe in a spiritual home that is no longer quite working. Many of us have experienced that before. But it's not just freedom from, it's freedom for participation in a new community of people who are fellow pilgrims and travelers on this journey. Not because we all agree or think alike, but because we're agreed to walk together. And when we come to the Lord's table for the sacrament of Holy Communion, we give people that ultimate freedom of forgiveness that we receive at the Lord's table. Or maybe, not just forgiveness, Maybe healing and renewal if you've been the subject of abuse or hurtfulness. Both are a kind of freedom that we get at this Lord's table. But again, it's not just a freedom from, it's a freedom for a new kind of life where everybody has enough, where we share, where we recommit to the vision of the heavenly kingdom, and we're given what we need to take the next steps. Freedom for. That's what we do when we come together to do the work of the church, to live into Christ's vision of what it means to be free. Now, gosh, what if we had time for a full sermon, what we could get out of that? 
You're welcome. Amen.
Amen. At, uh, at this point, I'd like to invite our elder, Jim Arce, up, as well as Meg Valentine, one of our new members. Come on up. Now, generally, when we welcome new members into the life of the congregation, I see. Okay. We're getting all our pieces in place. <laughs> Fear not. No worries. Whenever we uh, welcome new members into the life of the congregation, usually they have all been baptized at some point in their life as babies or children often. But every now and then, we have a new member who has never been baptized. And it is our joy and our pleasure and our honor to share that with you today, Meg. So baptism is the sacrament through which we are united to Jesus Christ and given part in Christ's ministry of reconciliation. Baptism is the visible sign of an invisible event, showing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's beloved children. In baptism, God works in us the power of forgiveness, the renewal of the Spirit, and the knowledge of the call to be God's people always. And I'm realizing we might have people watching at home who can't see us over there. There we go. All right. Now we're talking. <laughs> so, Meg, some questions for you. Do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you renounce evil, affirming your reliance on God's grace? Do you declare your intention to participate actively and responsibly in the worship and mission of the church? If so, please respond, I do. Let us sing together. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, pour out your spirit on this water that it might become living water. In Jesus' name, amen. Just come a little closer. There we go. So, middle name's Anne, right? Yes. Meg Ann Valentine. Margaret Ann Valentine, but you told me never to call you Margaret. <laughs> baptize you in the name of the Father, I baptize you in the name of the Son, I baptize you in the name of the Spirit, that is to say, in the name of God, our Creator, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer. So may the Spirit truly be upon you, Meg, child of God, disciple of Christ. Amen. Jim. <clears throat> Recognizing that is the oldest baptismal creed we know, our tradition invites us to join with Christians of all times and all places by reciting the Apostles' Creed. It may be found on page 
35 of your hymnals. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So Meg, just a couple of things for you. First, your official documents, you know. Uh, and then a baptismal candle. And what we invite you to do with that is to light it every year on the anniversary of your baptism to remember this special day. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for Meg and the commitments she and this church congregation have made this morning. Bless Meg, we pray, that she may have strength for life's journey, courage in time of suffering, the joy of faith, the freedom of love, and the hope of new life through Jesus Christ who makes us one. Amen. Now, generally during baptisms of young kids, we walk them around and introduce them. So I'm going to invite you all <laughs> to introduce yourself to Meg after worship when we're picnicking together. And now I invite the rest of our new members up front so we can welcome you all. Okay. Mr. Moderator, the session received the following persons into the membership of this congregation. Joan Carlson, Forrest Craig, Deb Newton, Rebecca Nolan, Jeff Tsai, Shelby Tsai, and Meg Valentine. You'll notice that Jeff and Shelby are not with us, uh, but they... Uh, will be here soon, hopefully. I encourage you all today to greet these new members at our picnic uh, in Finley Hall and covenant to the next three times you see them, you greet them and you tell them your name before <laughs> they have to ask or look down at your name tag. So some questions for you all, new members. Do you reaffirm your baptismal vows, trusting in God's grace in Jesus Christ, and desire to become a part of the fellowship and ministry of this congregation? If so, please say, we do. Jim. Please join me in the congregational covenant found in the blue box in your bulletin. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome these new members into this congregation. We promise to love, encourage and support them and their families. We promise to share the good news of the gospel with them, to look for God's presence in them, and together to study, know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. 
Now, Rob already mentioned that those candles behind you are lit in your honor, each one of them representing the light that shines within you, and we are just so grateful that you are sharing that light with the Westminster congregation. In addition, it's our tradition when we welcome new members to welcome you with a loaf of bread. Notice how it's braided together very carefully and intentionally as you are now woven into the fabric of our community. And I want to thank Barbara Rowe, our associate pastor emeritus, who baked this bread for you. So, Deb, welcome to you. Forrest, welcome to you. Meg, welcome. Joan, welcome. And Rebecca, welcome. And I, Rebecca, we also welcome your family and friends who are sitting there. You also are a part of our congregation as well. So welcome to all of you. Shall we pray? O oh, gracious and benevolent God, we stand before you in gratitude for those who stand before us this day. We know that each of them has had a unique course here, and we pause for a few moments so they can give thanks quietly for those who've been important figures along their way. And on our own, we pause as well, honoring the traditions in which they were raised, the people and places and communities that planted a seed of faith that has blossomed. Now, O oh God, as they give us the honor of being in Christian community with them, empower us to be a fitting church home for them, seeing their gifts, recognizing them, and connecting with them, helping us to welcome them into the full life of this worshiping body. Help us to grow in Christian faith together as diverse peoples and yet with the oneness of faith. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. And welcome. Welcome to each of you. You may be seated. So not often that we get to move from the sacrament of baptism to the sacrament of communion, but that's what we do today. And as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we are reminded that all are welcome. All are invited to share in this meal together. When the time comes, the ushers will guide you down the center aisle. Uh, you can take a piece of bread from the plate, dip it lightly in the cup, and that way you can partake of both of the elements together. In the center will be a plate of gluten-free crackers, if that is best for you. If it's best for you to remain in the pew and not come forward, we will have uh, one of our deacons who will come to you with uh, single-serve elements. So just make sure she, you get her attention and she'll come to you. Uh, Rob and I will be here at the front should you require or desire a time of additional prayer. We will be here for that. And we often like to sing as we celebrate communion, so there are a couple hymns listed in the bulletin. You are welcome to sing with us. We are reminded that Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace, so I invite you to share the peace of Christ with one another.
Friends, this is the joyful feast of the kingdom of God. At this table, we recognize that God's gift of grace is freely given. There is no prerequisite to come to this table. It is for all. So come. It's that simple. Will you join with me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. O God of creation, whose spirit stilled the waters of chaos, whose breath filled all creatures with life, we praise you. O God of inspiration, whose spirit anointed kings and priests, whose power emboldened the prophets of old, we praise you. O God of righteousness, whose spirit descended dove-like on Jesus Christ, whose glory shone in words of wisdom and deeds of love, we praise you. O God of Pentecost, whose spirit came to the faithful waiting at Jerusalem, whose gifts empowered the church for service and witness, we praise you. As followers of Christ in communion with the saints and prophets from all times and places, hear us now as we proclaim your love, lifting our voices in praise. Friends, on the night of his arrest and the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it. And gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many which is sealed in my blood, and it is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. Come, for all things are now ready.
Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for the nourishment we've found at this mystical table. For the freedom we experience in you and the many opportunities to express that freedom through love for one another. So having been filled at this table, we seek, O oh God, to go out into the world and feed those who hunger and thirst. And let us not go grow weary on that road, but support each other as we endeavor to walk in the footsteps of Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I will encourage you to check out your bulletin for upcoming events. And I'll simply invite you again to our picnic in Finley Hall right after worship. It looks like maybe it's not raining right now. So if you have a picnic chair or a blanket in your car, you're welcome to pull it out and set up in this beautiful garden area or set up on the playground. But certainly a wonderful time to be together. And we give thanks to our Congregational Life Committee for making it happen. And now standing or sitting, I invite you to join in our closing hymn, 761.
behalf of Congregational Life, I do invite you to join us for the picnic afterwards. Stay around and be in fellowship together. And as you go from this place, whenever you go, to wherever you are going, go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, on this day especially, the Holy Spirit, this day and every day. Amen.